Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand, hey, finances, they can be confusing, but you don't have to face it alone and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner, qualified kingdom advisor, founder of Crystal Clear Finances, and your host for the next 30 minutes. Now, today we're going to be talking about money myths. And in my opinion, this is something that many people will say, hey, I heard this about money and I think it's true, but it's really not. And if what you thought to be true wasn't true, when would you want to know? <laughs> Hopefully you're saying now, Crystal, I'd like to know now because that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Now, these top 10 money myths are not something that I researched out there on the internet. These are what I see when people come into my office. This is what I've experienced. So they're the top 10, according to Crystal at Crystal Clear Finances for compliance purposes. So let's jump right in today. So the number one uh, in a accordance to what I've seen out there when it comes to money myths is that there is a limited supply of money. Now, I want you to think about that because if we think that money is a limited supply, then we get scared or some people get very nervous with it because they're afraid if they're going to make a decision and it's the wrong one, well, then they've messed up and they'll never have money again. Sound a little bit familiar? So when we begin to understand, there's two sides to that coin. Now, as a certified financial planner, yes, they do teach me that when it comes to finances, there's a finite supply. I remember Don Blanton of Circle of Wealth pounding that into my head. Crystal, you've got to teach people that there's only a little bit of money and they have to make the right choices. They need to save. They need to invest in order that they can retire. Maybe that's true. And in fact, I think it's true in the sense of there is a limited amount of money that you can use for frivolous things. But here's where I differ on it. And if you can grasp this concept, I truly believe it will change the way you look at money. If we can understand that there is an infinite supply that I believe is available when it comes to aligning with what the purpose that God has created you to do. So for instance, if God said, okay, Crystal, what I want you to do is I want you to be a missionary in Africa, please no. But if he was to tell me that and he was to say, I want you to go do this X, Y, and Z, then I have the faith to believe that whatever resources I need to go accomplish X, Y, and Z as a missionary in Africa, he's going to provide that because that's an assignment that I have received from him. So there's an infinite amount of supply of resources for me to accomplish my purpose. Now, if I wanted to take resources and blow it on whatever I wanted to do, which had nothing to do with my purpose and was just indulging it, well, that's where I have to go back to the certified financial planning. That's where I go back to the teaching from Don Bland. That's where I go back and say, oh, wait a minute. I don't think God gives me abundant supply to live however I want to do. I think he provides it the abundance in accordance to what his will is for my life so that I have the resources to accomplish the job. So does that make sense? So when I look at the myths and you begin to look at your finances, one of the things I would look at it is say, hey, believe that God has resources available in alignment with your purpose. Have you ever, and I know I've been guilty of this in the past, 
Have you ever been jealous? Well, like when someone gets something and you don't, you're like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, over here, I'm doing the right thing too. How come they got it? So here's my question. Why do we get uptight about that? Why do we get jealous when we see someone else being blessed or receiving resources? Could it be because we believe the lie or the myth that there's not enough resources out there? So if they're getting blessed and they got the new car and they got the nice house and they got blah, 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 will you fill in the blank? Then if we believe there's only a finite amount, a limited amount, then of course we feel that agitation because we feel like they just took what little bit that's out there that could have been mine. But when we come into the belief system that says, well, wait a minute, when I, there is enough for me to be able to have what I need and they can have what they need, then we come into a freedom of rejoicing. Let me give you a, just a quick example. I have a brother. Yes, I have six brothers actually and five sisters come from a very large family. And my brother recently sold his house and built a <clears throat> very nice house in another state. When you look at that situation, there were many people that he shared, hey, I sold my house and I'm building this house down here. And they, well, they reacted differently. They were jealous, not happy, frustrated over how come he gets to do it. But when you sit back and you look at my brother's life, I literally believe that God picked him up and moved him over to another state and transplanted him there because he needs it for the next step to define and fulfill his purpose. So of course the house is gonna sell and of course he's gonna have a good house to move into. And of course he's going to be in the neighborhood of influential people. That's who he was created to be because he has to fulfill the job. So I would encourage you before we go on to the next point, Point number one, the myth that there is a finite supply, you need to change that and begin to believe that there is an unlimited supply directly in correlation with what you're called to do. Now, the scary part is many people don't know what they're called to do. And so because they're not following what's supposed to be done in their life, they're experiencing the paycheck to paycheck, falling behind uh, very tight financially. And so many times they can't even receive what I'm speaking right now because they haven't experienced it. So what would I say to a situation like that? I would say dig in and begin to look what are you called to do? Look at what your skill set is. Have your spouse look at their skill set. I think of George and I, our skill sets are very different, right? He would not be on radio with you today or on this YouTube channel. But my skill set complements him. And as we both are flowing into it, then abundance and provision can come into our lives. So if you're not experiencing that unlimited supply of resources that you think might be pie in the sky, begin to look at the resources, the, the talents that you have. And I'm just going to hang out here just for a moment. I just really want you to think back to that widow with a jar of oil. She had to look at what she had, right? Here she was in a place, obviously not living paycheck to paycheck. She was living way below it where they were going to take her boys and sell them as slaves. Think of that. 
That's how bad off she was. And when she cried out to the prophet and said, hey, I need some help. Finances are too tight. I don't have enough to feed my family. His response was, well, what do you have? In other words, God has already made a way of escape and abundance for you. You just ain't seeing it. So she had to identify. Now, if you remember, she identified that she had the jars, but she did it scoffingly. All I have is this jar of oil. Like, what good is that? Like, how many of us have said, all I have is a silly ability to make quilts, or which I don't think is a silly ability, but all I have is the ability to sew or communicate or do video games or do videoing or whatever the case is. And we scoff at the very tool that God wants us to cultivate that actually will hold the abundance that sets us free. I know, I need to get off my preaching pulpit, but that's good preaching right there because if we can begin to understand that everything we need for that internal contentment, the financial abundance, and to create societal change is already within us, we literally just have to unpack it. We literally need to look at it and say, God, what is my jar of oil? And when we do and begin cultivating it, then it creates abundance, and then we begin to experience that unlimited supply of whatever we need to do. Last example, then I promise we'll take a quick break and come back for money myth number two. This last one, I think about the fact that one of the next steps in my life I know that God's asking me to do is to begin writing, to begin writing books for the money mamas out there, to begin able to show women, hey, listen, this is where you are right now. Oh, here's what your skill sets look like. Here's how you develop them. Here's how it will create residual income. And here's your path to freedom. Pretty cool path, right? So I'm super excited about that. But to do those things and to create an additional company that's going to be able to provide that, guess what it takes? Yep, resources. But here's the deal. I don't have to worry about it, not because I have crystal clear finances, but because if God's calling me to write a book and knows that I need a book coach and knows that I'll need an editor and knows that I'll need a new website and knows blah, 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 all the things I need, I think he's big enough to not only tell me what the dream is, but to fund it. And that's what we need to get in our spirit. So I'm going to pause. I am going to take a 60 second break. But while we're on the break, here's the deal. The reason I'm taking the break is because I want you to pull back for a moment and say, what are the skill sets that I have? And by skill sets, a lot of times we don't know. Remember the widow? She was like, I just have a jar of oil. She didn't see that as a means of abundance. What are some of the things that you have? And here's the deal. Many times we think skill sets are just things that are fun to us, right? They come easily. No, not all the time. Skill sets a lot of times have to be developed. What we're looking for is the raw form of a talent or skill set you have so that you can begin the process of developing it to bring the abundance. And we'll be back in just 60 seconds with more Crystal Clear Finances. When it comes to money, is financial independence the right goal? This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. 
Financial independence allows us to stand on our own, but often takes God out of the picture. Financial freedom reminds us that God is our ultimate provider. We steward the resources He's given us. With this outlook, finances no longer control our moods or our self-dependence. We live, give, and steward in alignment with God's plan for our lives. Call Crystal Clear Finances today at 518-433-7181 and become financially free. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. My name is Crystal Langdon. Such a pleasure to be here with you today. We are going over the top 10 money myths that we experience here at Crystal Clear Finances. Individuals who are walking through our doors that are saying, hey, this is what we believe. And we're like, huh, let me show you another way of turning that around. Now, my hope, and you can laugh with me, was that we were going to cover all 10 of them today. But I can see since we've only covered one that we may not get through all 10. And that's okay. Because when we begin talking about mindsets, it's so important. These myths that we believe to be true drive our actions. You know, I I always think about when I meet with clients, they come in and one of the first things I do, tell me a little bit about yourself. What are your dreams? What are your goals? Where are you headed? And then what happens is in the next meeting, I say, okay, now I'd like to see your finances. Now I'd like to see your statements. And it's interesting because what they told me in the first meeting, right, how they believe, what it is they want, I see that show up in the actual numbers and statements and finances that they have because what they're believing is possible, what they're thinking, what they're focusing on literally shows up. So if we're believing something that's incorrect, we are going to have the results of that incorrect thinking. So before the break, when we said the first myth that I hear all the time is that, oh, there's only a limited supply. If someone else gets ahead of me, then there's not enough room left for me. And I know you probably don't think it in that form. But if you watch abundance happen on other people and something rises up within you, chances are that's that thinking of there's not, there is a limited supply. But when we can begin to be relaxed and realize when we make a mistake, okay, God, help me pick it up. Might delay some things, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Now, let's talk about point number two, money myth number two. And I'm actually, I'm going to combine it with number three, and we'll probably hang out on this one for quite a while. Because the money myth is that money is evil, and wealthy people are bad. Okay, how many of you have said that? Okay, maybe you didn't say it, but we kind of believe that those who have a lot of money, well, they did something bad to get there, or they're not that good of a person, and well, at least I have my faith in the Lord because they might have money, but I'm pure. Okay, that is like, let's talk about this. I think the first time that I became aware that people actually thought that money was evil and that people were bad, wealthy people were bad, was I was about 12 or 13. I remember we lived in a big old house over in Chatham. And I remember a family was bringing me home from church. So they go up, our driveway was a quarter mile long. So they're driving up this driveway. And I'm just thinking, hey, I'm coming home. These people are my friend. They gave me, gave me a ride home from church. All is well. So we get up and there's a big circular driveway when you get to the top of this hill. And I remember as clear as day, 
they came and as they began to go through the circle driveway, they said, oh, you're rich. And I remember thinking, okay, Crystal, what do you say? What do you say? And I'm like, um, well, it's really not that pretty inside. And I remember getting us out of their car as quickly as I can, slinking, feeling guilty, turning the handle that I had to go into this house that my parents, that God had provided for my parents and going in. And I remember being so confused and saying, I don't, I don't understand this because I don't see money as evil and I don't see wealthy people as being bad. I mean, I remember when the church we went to in Hudson, they had this big diagram. And I know I've told this story before, but these are some of the money memories that are etched into my mind. And I remember seeing this diagram of this building project and you could sign up and you could pay for a door, you could pay for a window, you could pay for a doorknob, whatever it was, but you were supposed to write your name in this diagram of who's buying what, which looking back on that, well, that's a whole nother subject. But I remember being with my dad and I remember all he did, he didn't write his name, he wrote sold, sold, and he went around and bought every window that would be needed in that new building they were doing. And I remember him smiling at me. And I knew because dad had money at that time in our lives, because remember it was a roller coaster when we had jobs, very generous. When we didn't have a job, okay, beans and rice. But while he was in the generous, we had a job. He was making a difference. So I saw money as it was a good thing. I remember this one time uh, we had, there were a lot of missionaries that would come to our church. We believe in a lot of not just doing things in the United States, but overseas as well. I mean, my sister Jackie's been a missionary in Tanzania. So there's a lot there. I think 11, 12 years she was there. And I remember missionaries would come and I remember this brown Winnebago. There was this missionary family that came and they, from the pulpit, they would preach the message, which in my opinion was a little long, but nevertheless, I remember not what it was about, just how long it was. And I remember him asking for help to fix their Winnebago because they were traveling around the country and they were raising funds. That's what the missionaries did. So I remember him there. I also remember my dad writing a check to not fix the Winnebago to buy the new Winnebago. And I remember him putting it on the windshield and the wipers, what held it there, which made me a nervous wreck because I'm like, dad, it will blow away, you know. And I remember getting in the car. So we're in the car, which is a couple lengths ahead of the Winnebago, and we're sitting there. I remember this because it was summertime and I was sweating and dad didn't want to turn the car on or draw any attention. I'm like, well, people melting in a car would draw attention. Totally different subject. So we're there. And also my dad's like, he's coming. So we're watching right through the rearview mirror because we weren't allowed all of us to turn around and watch. So we're watching. We're seeing what's happening. My dad's giving me the play-by-play. The guy, he walks up the Winnebago, you know, gets in there and puts his hands on the steering wheel. And then all of a sudden you see him tripping, stumbling, getting out of that Winnebago as fast as he can. And then he runs into the church. He runs into the church because he's getting a chair. He's getting a chair because he's going to bring that chair out. And he stands in front of the Winnebago on the chair, trying to reach that check that my father put there so he can have a brand new Winnebago. So when I go back to that example of people saying, oh, 
you're rich. Or the misconception and the myth that says people with money are evil and that money is evil. I challenge that thought. What if, what if we didn't have money? What would have happened to that missionary family? Who would have given the money to do that? Was it God's will that he traveled the whole country with his tires blowing out and the transmission leaking and, and, and just in a state of poverty? Or could God be equipping other Christians with resources to bless other ones so that they would be blessed and it becomes a continual cycle of blessing? So when, this would be my encouragement when it comes to these myths. Challenge your thought process if you think that money is evil. Now, I know in the Bible it talks about money and evil, but please read it properly. It's the love of money that's the root of evil. Evil. But what if you loved what money could do? What if you loved being in a place where you could create societal change? What if you could love being able to be generous to your family, to your grandchildren, to your community? You know, one of my favorite things at Crystal Clear Finances is that college scholarship. I remember, and this is so cool, at the local high school, I wasn't looking for the A-plus students because sometimes, sometimes there are people like you and I that bust their but just to get that B. They work hard, they study longer and harder than the other people that just, it comes easy and they get the A. So when we did our college scholarships, we weren't looking for the A plus students. We were looking for the people, show me what you're doing in your community. Show me what you're doing locally and, and how are you involved? Who are you as an individual and the character you have? Because we wanted to reward what we believe with longevity would go into the future and create societal impact. That's exciting. But what if there wasn't resources to do that? I'm going to ask you a question. If money was no object, if you had unlimited resources because you were walking in the fullness of your purpose, what would it feel like to you? Would you do a college scholarship program? Would you put a check on the Winnebago windshield? What would you do? And here's an even greater question. Do you ever dream about doing it? Because a lot of times I remember when I was little, I would dream about those things. I would pray about those things. God, that would be so cool to be in a grocery store and to be able to reach over and say, I'd like to pay for that or to be able to pay it forward in different ways. If we don't start thinking about it, if we don't start expanding our spirit and our heart to believe that that's possible, how does that ever come to pass? See, these money myths that we have in life they really do shortcut us, don't they? When we believe that wealthy people are evil, we don't engage with them. Now, some wealthy people, <clears throat> they with their nose in the air, yeah, I can get you them some. But a lot of them, think what we can learn from them. And who are we hurting when we don't associate with them? We're shortcutting ourselves. I'm so grateful for the mentors that I have in my life. When I think of Carol and I would call her and I would ask her questions and I'd say, hey, I'm considering doing this. 
what am I missing? Well, Crystal, this is the way I would handle it. And she would just go in and she'd share about how she bought things and how she had real estates and how she ran her business. And I would consider that and maybe take a piece of that and apply it to my own life, apply it to my business. But there is such a wealth of information that mentors can be who are wealthy if we stop being afraid of them. But a lot of times it's easier to villainize a wealthy individual so that you don't have to pay attention to them, so that you don't get near with them. And my counsel to you would be, be very careful. Be very, very careful. Money's not evil. Wealthy people aren't always bad. And if we want to grow into the generous person, then we've got to expand. You know, if we take the first money myth and we say, okay, there is an unlimited supply for of resources if I'm walking in the fullness of my destiny and I'm cultivating my skill set and doing what God wants us to do, and that is my personal belief. So if you have that and you're doing that and money starts coming to you, but you haven't developed the mindset that, oh, good, the money's coming without thinking it's evil, then what are you going to do? You're going to self-sabotage yourself. You're going to work real hard to create the money, but then never let it come to you. How does that work? So we've got to have that balance of I'm going to work and do all that I know that God has shown me to do. But then we balance that with, and when the resources come, I'll have the mentorship of wealthy individuals so they can speak into my life so I know how to proceed. There are many people that will call our office and they'll say, Crystal, I just need an hour of your time. Now, wouldn't it be great if I could just like throw my hours around? Sure. But I have set time aside where I can say, okay, if we can set up an agreement financially so that compliance is happy <laughs> and we can get paid hourly for their, our time, then we will take a few moments, take an hour or so, and sow into someone's life and give them, hey, here's 10 things you need to do. When you get them crossed off, call me again. And we'll give another 10 things until they reach where they want to go. So whether it's calling Crystal Clear Finances, whether it's finding someone else that you're going to work with, I remember, I, I think it's a, a good thing to do because I remember Sonny Richardson. Oh, what a good man. And I remember that when my husband was looking to purchase his first real estate. Now, this is a big deal for us because all of our friends were going out. They were buying real estate like within the first month and we're like, what's wrong with us? But we would talk to Sonny and George would bring over all the numbers. We'd went and visited and all these things that we would do. And Sonny would look at it and he'd be like, he'd ask George a zillion questions. And then he'd be like, nope, not a good deal. And he slided across the table. We were like a year into this process. So by now, all of our friends think I'm a loser or we're a loser because we couldn't even buy real estate. But yet Sonny kept telling us and we were willing to learn from him. And then I always remember that time when he said, okay, this is a good one. You need to jump on that one. And we were able to do it. He guided us through the experience of how to do it with the resources, all the different components that were there because we had taken time. That real estate was such a blessing to us that finally when we sold it, we sold it to Colwell Banker right before when? 
before the market went down on real estate. It was awesome. And we were able to take the resources from that building and launch it into our next adventure, which was George's trucking company, which was able to bring gentlemen on and put them to work so that we were helping not only our family, but other families. And where did that stem from? It goes all the way back to when George said, okay, I'm going to have somebody wealthy mentor me and then I'll know what to do. And then I'll do that for others as well. Well, I'm looking at the clock and realizing, yep, we're at the end of our time together. We got through two of the top 10 money myths that we see here at Crystal Clear Finances. But you know what? I don't think it was about how many we got through today. The point is, is that you're getting these mindsets. You're getting these concepts. We're dismantling the things that are literally tripping you up. So yeah, we could have talked about Roths and IRAs and 401ks and everything else that everyone else talks about. Or we can talk about real ways to become wealthy. And that happens in your mind, I believe, long before it shows up in your bank account. So I encourage you, if you are interested, give our office a call at 518-433-7181 and let's sit down and start talking about real wealth. And then join us again next week as we continue to provide financial clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through AlphaStar Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and AlphaStar are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.